have a God who really loves us, who really cares about us. But also a dad, Abba, who not only loves us, but, but loves us not in the way, that, not in the human way, but in, in a godly way. A dad who will... Yeah. All right, Rebecca. Yeah. <clears throat> we sang earlier on. We sang a number of songs, but one of the songs we sang was "His Grace Is Enough." You know, we 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 really need to get a hold of some of these very simple but amazing truths. The grace of God is enough for each one of us here. Uh, once we've made a commitment to him and we've made a decision to follow him, his grace will take us where we need to go. His love will take us where we need to go. The words of another song said that the world can never take away his love. The world can never take away the love of Jesus Christ from you and from me. Certainly the world can get in the way, can't it? Uh, there are a lot of worldly things that can get in the way. <clears throat> but Jude 21, you know that huge book of Jude, uh, <clears throat> that's just before Revelation. Uh, Jude 21 says, <clears throat> let you figure it out. Check it out. <laughs> Check it out. Jude 21 uh, tells us to keep ourselves in the love of God. It says keep yourself in the love of God. So we have a responsibility as Christians to keep ourselves in the love of God. How do we keep ourselves in the love of God? You know in Revelation 2, I think it's verse 4, Jesus speaking to the church said something very sad and, and I hope we never hear it in our spirit. Uh, and it is that you have lost your first love, he said to the church in Revelation. You've lost, your, you've lost your first love. And whatever about getting our theology right and, uh, and all of that, what we really don't want to do is lose that connection, that love of God, the, that revelation of the, the extraordinary love of Jesus Christ for us personally. We look at that sometimes, and you know, and we, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but it's impersonal. I've often looked at that and thought, by the way, that should be not God so loved, but God so loves the world. It didn't stop there, did it? God is constantly, God's love is constantly poured on, and we've heard that in recent weeks. <clears throat> I think we've had something extraordinary happen in the last month with the preaching here. I don't know whether God has just opened people's ears or whatever it is or whether he's done something in us that are preaching in recent times. But there is something happening and I believe God is taking us to a place uh, of growth and maturity and development. Uh, God is, is, is nudging us and, and, and courting us if you like, uh, embracing us and wanting to bring us to a place where uh, where we will experience real life in Christ. Uh, there's, there's, there's a number of things that, that I think God is challenging us uh, about as a church. And one, uh, and it was probably a number of weeks ago when I preached myself, and a lot of people were affected 
Uh, I preached about being a real disciple, a true disciple of Jesus Christ. And something happened on that Sunday. And I think that's one of the challenges for us at this time, is not just to say, I am a Christian, but to say, I am a disciple. Lots of people make decisions for Christ, but lots of people fall away and don't follow up and become disciples. It's not good enough to say, I'll be a Christian, thank you. The fact is that God, the Holy Spirit, has to do something in a human heart before they can become a Christian. It's not as simple as, I'll put up my hand and I'll become a Christian. Don't be a fool. Don't think because you put up your hand and say, I'm now a Christian, that you're going to stand before God and enter the kingdom of heaven. That would be very foolish. You need to search for him with all your heart until you find him. And if somebody can dissuade you, if somebody can tell you you're not a Christian and you believe it, you're probably not a Christian. You hear what I'm saying? If somebody can, can argue you out of your position in Christ, you are probably not a disciple. You need to be sure, to be sure, to be sure of the love of God for you personally, of the sacrifice of Christ on Calvary for you personally. And I believe that God is maturing us and growing us and taking us into, into places uh, at this time for a particular purpose. So that's one of the things, uh, is to, to challenge us about being real disciples or true disciples. And then we had a build on that for a number of weeks and we heard about the love of God. The love of God, Trevor preached, I don't think I've ever seen him preach so well and so relaxed. But the, the word of God had life. And what we want this morning is not for you to listen to me. We're not, we're, you know, it's great to have a good expositor and all of that stuff and get your theology right. Listen, that's not what this is about. This is about receiving something from the Spirit of God that, that, that works in your heart, that you bring home with you, and it changes your life. And this is what we want. All we can do up here is, is take a bit of bread from heaven, hopefully, and throw it out. You know, during the worship this morning, I don't know why this thought came into my head, but I, I thought of the times when you go down by the riverside, whether it's down the park or out in Coosner or whatever, and you, you bring a couple of slices of bread and you, you throw a few pieces out and the, and the ducks come, whew, they come everywhere, you know. And there's always a few aggressive ones who get more than the rest, isn't there? I've always noticed, I always watch for the hungry one, the aggressive one. And you throw out a slice of bread and he's over there but he, he'll come and he'll take it from under the nose. And you think, ah! So you throw it out to try and give some of the others a bit, you know. We need to be hungry for God. And the best we can do is, is you know, desperately try to receive some fresh bread ourselves. And throw it out and hopefully, hopefully people will grab a hold of it. The other challenge, I think, was to... Understand the genuine, true love of God for us as a people. To, to understand it and to, to think about the outworking of what that means. James is a tough cookie. James talks about the love of Jesus in a very practical way. And he, he says things like, well, if you don't love your brother, you don't love God. 
Oh, no, I do love my brother, do you? Do you love God? Oh, I certainly love God, do you? Well, if you do, you're going to love your brother. Is it because he's very lovable? Not necessarily so. <laughs> it's easy to love the lovable. The challenge is to love the unlovable. And sometimes that can be yourself. Sometimes we are the ones we can't love. We are the unlovable ones. We can love others, but we can't love ourselves. Why? Because we know ourselves. We know what's in, in us. The challenge is to accept the love of Jesus. To be transformed by his word. And these are difficult times. I think God is preparing us uh, for something. And I'm not sure, but I, I believe it's a challenge. God is maturing us. And we've seen diseases. And in this small body, we're seeing some horrendous diseases. Some horrendous physical challenges. <clears throat> and I've never felt more like... Pressing in with everything that's in me to Isaiah 53. Press in, press in. We, we have choices. We can run away or we can run into. We need to run into. We need to run into these challenges. We're not going to give up. We're not going to lie down. We're just not going to do that. But there are plenty of... Of, of things that, uh, that come against us, things that will cause us to stumble. What I want to talk about, I suppose, this morning is um, specks, planks, and stumbling blocks. Some of the things that trip us up specks, planks, and stumbling blocks. You know that the little speck that the scripture talks about? Some of us are more familiar with the, the log. Trouble is, we're not really, we don't know it's there at all. <laughs> the speck we know is there, the log we tend to, not to see in ourselves. And they're stumbling blocks. As I was thinking about this for, for the last week or so, and I'm still not sure. I have so, you know, if, if, you, if you could stand up here and know you had 10 weeks. You could really relax and, and start dishing out, but you just want to get the nuggets out of all that God puts into you for stuff like this. And you know you've got 30 minutes or so to, to find the nuggets. And I'm not sure where the nuggets are this morning. So I'm going to throw out, uh, and, and, and all, all I say is grab whatever, grab whatever you can and let it work in your spirit. Maury said to me during the week, um, a couple of days back, he said, what are you going to preach on? I said, I, I really, I have an idea of what I want to say, but I don't know how I'm going to say it. You know, I'm not too sure. Uh, and she shared a little, a little bit with me about something that God had spoken to her. Uh, and I thought, that's, that's interesting and it's relevant. So I asked her to take a few minutes and just, uh, maybe if she would just come and share uh, what God has uh, put on her heart. I think she, she described it as a little bit of a, little bit of a challenge. So maybe you want to... <clears throat> I don't know whether my face is crooked or the glasses are crooked. <laughs> as, long as, your, as long as your heart is right. <laughs> well, <clears throat> the Lord did challenge me this week. And um, I was looking in James 3 about the song 
We all love that one, don't we? <laughs> Are we in control of our tongue? You know, that's that's when I read um, when I read this, I thought. Uh, Am I in control of my... No, I didn't think it. A little voice said, now, are you in control of your tongue? And uh, I was challenged. And what I read was, we humans are able to tame and have tamed all other creatures. Wild animals and birds, reptiles and fish. But no one has ever been able to tame the tongue. It is evil and uncontrollable. Full of deadly poison. I mean... Those are strong words, you know, and it's true, because it's, it's probably the smallest thing in our body, apart from our little finger, <laughs> but it can do so much damage, you know, it can either make or break a person. Um, we use it to give thanks to the Lord, our God. And we also use it to curse other people who are created in the likeness of God. Now this is something that really shot home to me, personally. Um, you know, we're, we all have the human side to us and, you know, we can be critical of one another. And I put my hand up and I had to repent, you know, uh, from the things that I might have said even to Anthony, being critical, um, or in my mind, even thinking it. And then I got to think, you know, in the past we've all sat down, well I'm not going to speak for everybody, I'm only going to speak for myself, but in the past, yeah, I would have sat down and probably would have been critical of people, and, and you know, I was wrong. And I did repent about it at the time. And it's something that we battle with every day as a tongue. We still have to work and we have to mind what we think and say. My dad used to say to me years ago, he said, remember, what comes out of your mouth you can't take back. So be careful what you say. And he, he, he was speaking about this regarding our children. You know, if, you're, if your child is, needs to be disciplined, he said, never do it in anger. Never say anything to them in anger, because it won't be nice what comes out. So either ask them to leave the room, or leave the room yourself. Now, you'd have to speak to them about that to see that I do it. But the tongue, I feel, is... It can destroy the body of Christ. It really can. It can destroy... Uh, what God wants to do with us if we're not aware of it and you know because the enemy is so subtle isn't he and you know we're in the thick of it uh, before we realize what we've done and what we've said and what we didn't say words of thanksgiving and cursing pour out from the same mouth my friends this should not happen now this is God speaking to me and I just feel to share with you because I think it's very important that we all, yeah we're going, I mean yeah we're going to fall down, of course I'm going to fall down tomorrow and all of that, but once you don't, once you come immediately and repent and if it's somebody that you have taken their character away or thought about, you know, just repent and maybe if you wanted to go to the person to make it right because the enemy can play on your on your heart and your emotions if you don't and I think if we do as 
much as we can what God tells us to do in his word. The enemy won't have that hold on us. He really won't. And that's why God has given us those words of truth. He's given us those words for freedom. Because if we don't do what God tells us to do, we're going to be stressed, we're going to be in bad form, we're going to be unhappy. Because we have this thing hanging over us. And you know, it's not always easy to go to a brother and sister and say, you know, I, I, I said this about you or thought that about you. It's not always easy. But I would encourage you to do it. I mean, I've done it in the past. Um, and I really felt freedom from just sitting down with the person and, you know, apologising or whatever. And I think in our walk with God is so important. It's so important to be upfront with everybody because, you see, people look at, at us, at the outer layer, they don't see the heart. God looks at the heart. And, you know, out of the heart comes words and thoughts. And it can be either good or bad, you know. And, you know, God wants us to encourage one another, to uplift one another, and to be there for one another. He didn't say it would be easy. He never said that, but he did say he would give us the grace and the strength to do it. So I thank God for that. He says, a fig tree, my friends, cannot bear olives. A grape vine cannot bear figs. Nor can a salty spring produce spring water. So that was my challenge through the week. And um, I don't know, I just felt to share this morning. Uh, I think it's good to... You know, the Lord tells us to humble ourselves. And, you know, we're all human. We all have our ways where we fall down, and none of us are perfect. So, um, you know, what, wherever the Lord leads you in this, um, you know, take it on board, because it's so important for our own f uh, relationship with God. And really, that's what it's all about. It's our relationship with Him, our hearts to Him, and for one another. So I just love you all, really, and thank God for you. God bless you all. Amen. I love to talk to people who are actually communicating with God, that God is actually speaking to and, and challenging. It always challenges me uh, when, when somebody says, God has said this to me, and especially if it's a rebuke, if it's a correction, uh, if it's something, because that's life. And we actually need that. I need that. We all need correction. We all need direction. <clears throat> oh, Lord, where do I go from here? I want to share a few little bits and pieces. Um, I want to go to Matthew 7. And I want to read from, from verse 12. It says, therefore, however, you want people to treat you, so treat them. For this is the law of the prophets. He <clears throat> says, enter by the narrow gate. You know, we've got a broad road and we've got a narrow road that the scripture talks about. And we, we normally apply that to somebody who is not a Christian and who is a Christian and the Christians walk the narrow road and the non-Christian walk the broad road. You know, we can choose to walk a very broad road ourselves in our Christian lives. And I'm thinking about that in, 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 this, in, in that context. It says, for the gate is small and the way is narrow. That leads to life. You can stay on that broad road 
But if you want life, you've got to go on the narrow road. You've got to go the way of God. You've got to go the way of the Word of God if you want life, spiritual life. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and few are those who find it. Wow. Wow. Few are those who find it. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, and a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then, you will know them by their fruits. If you want to shipwreck your Christian life, stay on the broad road. If you want to be a Christian and unhappy uh, and, and full of doubt instead of faith, uh, full of fear instead of faith, full of anxieties, then stay on the broad road. Live, live on the broad road. Live on the broad road. <laughs> Somebody's enjoying this. <laughs> Not looking at anybody. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, you know, this, this, this whole uh, passage in Matthew 7, there's a terrifying piece at the end of, of Matthew chapter 7 uh, that we all run away from fairly swiftly. We skip over it very, very, very swiftly. And it's in verse 21, and Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That is kind of scary, isn't it? That is kind of scary. Not everyone who says to me, Jesus said, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. He who does the will of my Father. He who, the one who hears, the one who listens, the one who goes after, the one who follows Christ, the one who chooses to become a disciple, is the one who's going to enter in. He said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And cast out demons. And in your name perform many miracles. <clears throat> and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me. You, and this is, and this is, what really spoke to me this last few words you who practice lawlessness you who live a sinful life you who make a decision to call yourself a Christian 
but not live the Christian life. You who have been deceived into thinking that the blood of Jesus Christ is for you. It is for you, but you have not responded in your heart. You have not made a decision to become a disciple of Christ. You're playing games. I know this is very sober this morning, but, but I believe that this is what God, I believe that God is challenging us. And I believe that when we take the reins and we make a decision to be Christians, to be disciples of Christ, we will see the kingdom of God grow around about us. The world desperately needs people to stand up and be who they say they are. We're looking at hypocrisy day and night on our TV screens. We're just, we're just, we're living in it, in the midst of it all the time, and and it becomes acceptable in our churches. And there are so many simple ways uh, that we can be tripped up. And all we need to do is say, Lord, help. I'm sorry. Take me back, take me back and learn and, and genuinely confess and repent and see the deliverance of our Lord. Isaiah 35 speaks about the highway of God also. Isaiah 35 speaks about um, this amazing life and this amazing journey uh, that's coming up, you know, in, uh, verse 19. Sorry? Isaiah 35. Sorry, I'm looking at Sam. No, it's Isaiah, Isaiah 35. I'm looking at, Sam, I'm looking at Sam 35. So I need to be looking at Isaiah 35. It's verse 8, yeah. If you read through the beginning of that, uh, it says, Say to those with anxious heart, Take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, and he will save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the dead will be stopped. And then the lame will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb will shout for joy. For waters will break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. And the scorched land will become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals, it's, it's resting place. This is, this is us. This is us that he's speaking about, the life of Christ that comes into us and resurrects us and does all these things for us. And verse 8 says, and a highway will be there, a roadway, and it will be called the highway of holiness. I believe that God is taking us into a place of holiness. I believe God wants to sanctify and purify his church. I believe God wants to take us to a place of reality. And it's not a place we need to be afraid to go. Remember, we're, we're talking about a God who has such amazing love and grace and compassion and kindness on us. We're not talking about a tyrant here. We're talking about a dad who loves us and wants to see us blessed and encouraged and strengthened and going on with God and living lives of peace and joy. 
filled with the presence of God and filled with hope and faith. This is, this is the purpose. The purpose is not for God to beat us over the head. We do that enough to ourselves, don't we? We beat ourselves in an instant, you know. We beat one another also in an instant. We, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a father who cares and wants to, wants to bless us. It's chastisement, it's correction, it's discipline. It will be called the highway of holiness. And it says the unclean will not travel on it. But it will be for him who walks that way. And fools will not wander on it. No lion will be there, nor will any vicious beast go up on it. These will not be found there, but the redeemed will walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord will return and come with joyful shouting to Zion. With everlasting joy upon their heads, they will find gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. That's the promise of God. This is what we're moving towards. God doesn't want to make us religious. We need to get away from religion. We're all full of stinking religion. We need to get rid of that stuff. Let it be washed away from us. It's Christ-likeness we want, not religion. I'm going back to Matthew 7 here. If you read Matthew 7, remember that last piece, that, that horrifying piece uh, at the end of Matthew chapter 7. And if you read it and put it into context with the rest of Matthew 7, it, it, it's speaking about some very, very simple, some very, very simple things. <clears throat> Verse 1 says, Do not judge lest you be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. By your standard of measure, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, there's a log in your own eye. You hypocrite. This is Jesus. He said, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Wow. Wow. These are the kind of things that, that trip us up. The difficulty with these kind of things is that we don't even notice them in our lives. We focus on the, you know, I'm not a murderer. Yippee, I'm doing alright. <laughs> you know, I'm not a bank robber, I'm not a thief, I'm not a, you know, I'm not an adulterer, I'm not, you know, and we think in these terms. Listen. Who am I? Who am I? How, how am I doing with the real things in life that, that challenge us every day? 
What, what kind of things do I brush over all of the time that I don't even see in my own heart and my own life? You will be judged by the way you judge. I love the piece of scripture that says, The merciful shall receive mercy. And I try, I try and, and, and err on the side of mercy. The merciful shall receive mercy. We have a merciful God. We love a merciful God. I want to share a little bit from... Uh, Matthew 16 talks about, you know, uh, actually I'll just go, very quickly go to Matthew 16. <clears throat> this is Jesus speaking to Peter and he's just told Peter that he's going to die, that they're going to crucify him, that he's going to be leaving. <clears throat> and Peter with the best will in the world, with no understanding of what, what he was really doing, which is, which is where we are quite often, which is why we need one another. Uh, why we need the Holy Spirit, why we need life. Uh, <clears throat> so Jesus spoke to Peter uh, and he explained some things to Peter. And the scripture says, you know, I can, I can see Peter saying, come here for a minute. And he took Jesus one side uh, and he was going to give Jesus a little bit of a talking to. <laughs> oh Lord, help. <clears throat> But he did. Peter did. Peter was foolish enough to, to think the, that he knew better than God. Are you? I sometimes am. I sometimes am. I think, nah, that, that doesn't really mean that, you know. Yeah, it does mean that. <laughs> it does mean that. Accept the challenge and don't run away from it. Uh, and we'll make progress. Just remember. This is, this is not discipline for discipline's sake. This is God wanting to take us to a great place. As individuals and as a church. Verse says, from the time that Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. These were the religious people. I hope you're not one of these religious people. And he would be killed and be raised up on the third day. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Oh Lord. <laughs> Peter took Jesus aside to rebuke Jesus. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Dear God, how foolish we can be. He said, God forbid it, Lord. This shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned to Peter and he said, Get behind me, Satan. That's kind of tough, isn't it? Get behind me, Satan. For you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but on man's. We're back to mindsets again, aren't we? Peter was thinking in the natural, but his natural mind. And then Jesus said to, the, to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. 
We, we often hear, you know, take up your cross and follow me. We seldom hear that whole verse, deny yourself. Deny yourself. Wow. <laughs> I believe us are really prepared to deny ourselves. Isn't it difficult to deny yourself something when you really want something? Isn't it so hard? We can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do it because this book tells us to do it. Because we're just not able. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 says you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses unto the ends of the earth. And he's not speaking about becoming somebody who just talks all the time. You know, I'm a witness, so I'll talk about Jesus everywhere I go. Now, he says, you will be witnesses. Wherever you go, you are a witness if you've received power from on high. And if, if we're submitting to the grace and the mercies of God, if we're understanding his love for us and his mercy towards us. Because it's out of the heart the mouth speaks, the scripture says. We can be mouthing off and honestly we'd be better to just shut up. Because we're a noisy, clanging gong in the ears of people who don't want to hear. Because they're looking at our lives. And if we're not going to be witnesses in the sense of allowing God to mold us uh, and melt us and, and make us into something that we can't make ourselves into, then we really need to be quiet. We don't want to be noisy, clanging gongs in people's ears. You don't have to be going on about your religion all the time. It's great if you can't shut up about Jesus because you're overcome with how much he loves you and cares about you and you can't just shut up. That's great because people will see that in an instant. But don't be one of those people who think you have to preach at everybody all the time because you're a Christian. You're probably doing more harm than good. Have a look at what's inside you and let it spill over. I'm preaching to myself here. I haven't made it. Just in case you might think, you know, this is this is about me. It's about us. It's about our relationship with God. Log jams, log jams of the heart, logs of judgment, stumbling blocks, stumbling blocks in our lives that we don't see. That we need somebody else to come along and, and, and help us to see and help us to get over, walk it through, work it through. Uh, the Holy Spirit sometimes speaks through people, doesn't he? <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes people think the Holy Spirit is speaking through them. That's the trouble. <laughs> they come with the law. And you're feeling really bad and you really need to get something right. And, and a faithful friend, Christian, comes and beats you over the head with the Bible. <laughs> really what you need, isn't it? <laughs> you 
better start looking for the log at that stage. <clears throat> Look for the log before you sort out the speck. Amen? Jesus said to Peter here, sorry I need to, I need to get through this. If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow. For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. I had a conversation recently with somebody. and It's hard to get away from the whole gay marriage issue and that kind of thing. And in these days, everybody seems to think, you know, it's wonderful and great liberty for every everybody and you know uh, me I, I, I don't uh, I take a, a really serious stand on, on the gay marriage gay rights fine but uh, for me uh, I'm going to fight with every breath I have to protect what I call marriage which is between a man and a woman and I believe it's something special so um, but I was engaging in conversation and it wasn't it wasn't a violent conversation it was <clears throat> but you know the, the, the gay rights thing came up it was a couple of friends of mine and we, we began to talk and um, we were discussing this whole thing about gay marriage and, and that kind of thing and, uh, and I from I really had to just control myself because I wanted to scream at times, you know, because people are so, they're so blind. They're so blind. You know, wh how far do we go? D listen, if you're gay, you're welcome here. You know, if, if you bless your gay friends and talk to them and love them and bless them and don't, and don't fight them and don't abuse them. That's, that's wrong. I'm not saying, I'm just saying don't try and uh, redefine marriage. That's what I'm talking about now. We've got to love the unlovable, isn't that right? We've got to love with, like Jesus loved. We've got to say, look, I love you and I disagree with you. Absolutely and entirely disagree with you and I believe you're wrong, but I'm not going to fight with you. Yeah. I'm not going to fall out with you. I'm not going to call you names like you call me names, homophobic and so on. Because that's what's happening out there. If we take a stand now, we're homophobic. And, and that's acceptable. And we back off from that because we don't want to call, be called homophobic. Call me whatever you like. I'm not backing off. The truth is the truth. But we need to take our stand. The church needs to take a stand. Not in a nasty and a mean way, but we need to understand truth and hold on to truth and proclaim truth. I wish to God somehow the church would get a voice in our nation. Somebody somewhere gifted by God would stand up and say, Church, come on, this is what we need to do. And proclaim truth and not lie back the silent majority and let the minority come and, 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 and uh, take the bread from our mouths. Here, here I go. Um, okay. <clears throat> Denying yourself. So I said to this couple, look, you know, we're talking about, you know, uh, don't gay couples need to, to be married the same as the rest and ought not to have children the same as the rest and their rights and their rights and their rights and their rights. I said, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. I said, whatever happened to self-denial? What, whatever happened 
to the idea that I can't have everything I want every time I want yes. it. Whatever happened to, to know you can't have that? You're not entitled to that. You don't have a right to have that. Um, and it was, it was, I was looked at as if I had two heads. It just, it's, it's just, oh, they were absolutely uh, horrified. horrified is the word. What do you mean, self-denial? What do you mean? I, I'm not entitled. <laughs> what about discipline? So I said, your husband married you. So how far do we take this thing? Your husband married you. He made a commitment to you for life. So he goes out on the street uh, and he goes into the bar or whatever and this beautiful woman sidles up alongside him and he knows he's got a green light. Is he not entitled to go off at her then? Is he not entitled? Are you going to deprive him of his, his, his need, his desire? You know, he has a gene so he can't help it. So you've got to let him go and sort, you know, he's got a gene that's crazy for this one, so, you know, just, uh, you know, you've got to say, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. I just, I kept going back to where do we draw the line? Where do we draw the line? When do we stop and say, no, no, you cannot have that, you cannot do that. <laughs> and even in our Christian lives, we've got to say no sometimes. We've got to be prepared to sacrifice. Jesus has taken us to a place of self-denial and self-sacrifice. The world does not understand that anymore. Maybe some do. But they're keeping quiet because they're in the minority and they're afraid to speak out deny yourself Jesus said deny yourself surely not Lord surely not Lord <laughs> and take up your cross the cross what is he talking about here what is, what is he saying here Jesus he's saying take up the cross of self denial take up the cross of suffering this is what suffering is suffering for the gospel of Christ taking up the cross of self denial speaking the truth in love even though you're going to be rejected for it and misunderstood and called all kinds of names who cares who cares let's, let's be different are we going to leave here today and melt into the world and nobody knows we exist or are we going to be different? Are we going to speak up? When God gives us the opportunity, are we going to speak up or are we going to shy off? We need to speak up. We need to speak. To experience the joy of, of real life in Christ, we need to be speaking the truth. Now we need to know it, we need to have it in us, but we need to be prepared to speak it to a world that's so crippled and hungry and lonely and hurt and broken. And we have the solution to their problem. We really do. I wish I knew how to get it out there somehow or other. It's the problem, isn't it? <clears throat> it's like having a pocket full of gold and 
people see you coming, they run away. <laughs> Take it there. <air. laughs> no. <laughs> Running away from, from, from blessing. <clears throat> Judgmentalism. We need to be careful. We need to be careful in our churches and we need to be careful outside of our churches not to move into that. The log of judgmentalism. Moses understood something. You read about it in Exodus chapter 33 and we don't have time to go into it now but I've mentioned it before. Um, he understood that the secret of living a life of of, of Success and peace was to have the presence of God. When he was instructed to do something, uh, he, he, he said, Lord, if your presence doesn't go with us, we're not going. We're not going. We need the presence of God with us. It's, it's not just... It's more than principles for us. It's more than principles. It, it's more than... It's more than uh, the Bible says so. It's more than it's more than that, isn't it? It's something that, that that we're passionately convicted about. It's something that we we want to live lives that are we want to represent Christ uh, uh, in, in our communities. God help us. I don't know how we fully do that. But all I can do is live my life to the best of my ability. And all you can do is live your life to the best of your ability. But it's living Christ's life through you, isn't it? It's not just me doing my thing. It's me surrendering to Christ on a daily basis. Uh, and, and wanting Him uh, to make me different. Now, there is no condemnation. <laughs> Listen, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This isn't the law. This is a, this is a challenge from a heavenly dad who wants to see you blessed and encouraged and strengthened and wants to see the kingdom of God grow. I know I'm taking a little bit longer, but, but I, I want to share a little bit from... Uh, from 2 Samuel from 2 Samuel 11 and 12 uh, you, can, you can read about it yourself this is this, this, in, this wonderful man of God called David and God said about David if you remember and we remind ourselves quite often he said this is a man after my own heart this is a man after my own heart. And he qualifies, he says, this is a man who will, who will do what I ask him to do. This was, this was, this was almost a, a remark that was thrown in, in Acts, I think it's Acts 13, somewhere you'll find it. Um, so this was a man, David, who was, whose heart was for God. But he was an, an ordinary, frail, weak human being who loved God but struggled to live the Christian life. And, and you read it in the Psalms, he's an open book like we should be. He's an open book. He shares the trials and the victories and the, the down times and the up times, the dark times and the bright times. He just shares his heart. He's an open book, which is why God loved him as well. <clears throat> but David made, made this horrendous mistake. Uh, and to cut a long story short, he committed adultery. He saw this beautiful woman, and he got out his eraser and he rubbed out self-denial. 
and he was the king so he could have whatever he wanted uh, so he called this woman into his chambers and, and uh, he had uh, sex with her he abused her really and she went back uh, and then that was fine he would have got away with that but suddenly he heard that she was pregnant now there was another problem so what did he do then he decided he'd do a cover up job you'd never do that would you no no we don't do that as Christians we would never think of doing that would we why are you all smiling <laughs> there's one yeah Yes, it's the human nature, you know, it's, it's the nature of us, the nature of us, you know. I, I'm going to meet somebody at uh, 1 o'clock, and I'm watching telly, and I don't want to leave. This program finishes at 1, and I know there's somebody waiting, and I don't want to leave, because I really want to watch this. And, and, and I know they're waiting, and, but I still watch, and I watch, and then I jump up at the last minute, and I scream across town in the car, and I get there and say, God, the traffic was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> we do it all the time but, but let's begin to see it <laughs> to do the right thing you know? we do it all the time and you know it's wonderful when there is a couple of minutes of a traffic jam because then you really are okay you're not telling a lie then you are <laughs> you're covering up <clears throat> but David David decided to do a cover-up job, so he decided to get to send this woman's to murder this this Bathsheba's wife, uh, husband, and he did. Okay, <clears throat> and then I'm, I'm just going to read a little bit from. I, I love this bit in in, in, uh, in chapter twelve of two Samuel, uh, and I, I might just go to this bit. Nathan Nathan the prophet had had spent some time already with David. Uh, and he had encouraged David and he, he, he had been there for David many many a time uh, and after this incident uh, David did not repent at that stage David carried this thing deep inside he brushed it away he took uh, he got the husband uh, sorted he took her and he married her so the cover-up was still going on wasn't it Yes. Now everything was legitimate, but her husband was gone, so now he was officially, uh, she was officially his wife, so the cover-up was, was complete. And he left it at that. And then we see Nathan, the prophet of God, comes. And he tells a story. He tells David a story. See, he doesn't confront David and say, David... You did this, you did that, and you did the other, and God is going to sort you. He actually, he, he told the story, and he let David judge himself. Be careful when you're judging other people. Nathan told David the story. This, this king, this, this, this rancher, if you like, who had plenty and full and plenty, and God had blessed him with everything he had. And I'm not going to go to it, actually, because I can't. I don't have time. You'll read it in, in 2 Samuel chapter 12. And he told, he told David the story. 
uh, about this very wealthy man who had, who had everything, had, who had been so blessed and living alongside him was a, was a poor man who had very little uh, and, he, and he had a sheep uh, and apparently in those days sheep were like, the, the sheep was like a pet dog uh, and this man loved the animal and he spent time with this animal, it was all he had and somebody called to this wealthy man and wanted to eat and he didn't want to kill any of, of his own uh, animals so David, he said, this, this man, he said, uh, went and took the sheep. The only thing this man had really, he took that sheep and he slaughtered it. And he fed himself and his guest. And David, David thought about it and David said, this man needs to die. Whoever would do that needs to die, he said. And he needs to, he needs to... Thank you, John. That's the word I'm looking for. He needs to make restitution. He needs to give this man four times as many as he took from him. But he said he needs to die. He needs to die. He was very, very quick to make a judgment. He was very, very quick to see what needed to happen. And then Nathan said, David, you're the man. And David went, whoa, whoa, whoa. Somehow he had helped David to see where, what had happened and what he had really done. Somehow or other David had managed uh, not to deal with the situation. Some, even murder and rape didn't move him. Something in him that could let that go. This simple story broke him. And took him to a place where he, he suddenly realized what he had been doing. I don't know how long uh, there was a baby involved. You see the whole story. But for months he, he just carried this thing. Let it go. So all I want to say is, you know, if God, if, if, if God, if God is dealing with you, he's not judging you. He's dealing with you. And be careful when you're dealing with other people that you don't become judgmental. Remember, the measure you measure with is the measure you're going to receive as well. Watch out for the log in your own eye when you see the speck in somebody else's. Watch out when you're looking at somebody and, and, and getting uh, hot and bothered because of the way they're living their lives or whatever. Be careful. Be careful. When you stand, lest you fall. I was watching, I'll finish with this, I was watching a, a program recently on loggers. I don't know if any of you watched it. It was a very interesting program. Very, very dangerous occupation. They were felling trees and there was all kinds of machinery grabbing five or six logs at a time and pulling them up on rails and bringing them off. It's fascinating to, to watch. It's so outside my realm of, of, of uh, reality, really. Uh, but there were there were other uh, loggers. There were other guys who their occupation was they would go out on on, on the river uh, in, a, in a kind of a tugboat with a platform, and they would search for the logs uh, that 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 had become lost. And most of these logs would be underneath the water. Because they were, they, were, they were so wet they began to sink. And there might be the tiniest bit like a crocodile on top of the water. 
and they made a living by going and collecting these logs and roping them to the uh, to the platform they have and tugging them back to wherever. Uh, and, and as I was just preparing this, I, I remembered that I just remembered their occupation. The, the, the most terrifying thing was them. With them was uh, that they wouldn't spot a log. Uh, that, the, that the log would actually hit their boat and it would absolutely take them apart. These logs were the length of these rooms and probably that width. Uh, and the most dangerous thing for them was not to spot the log in the water. There were logs just underneath the surface. And if they looked very carefully they would see a ripple on the water. And that's how they knew where the obstruction was, where the log was. Great picture, great picture, Linus. So we need to watch out for the logs. Make sure there's not a log in your own eye when you're sorting the speck in somebody else's. Me too, me too. I don't have it sorted. But I know that with the grace of God, and we're empowered by God to do what Maureen done during the week, if we're listening. Moses said, Lord, without your presence, we are the same as, we are, we are not distinguishable from anybody else on the face of the earth. It's about the presence of God. You can read this stuff, and if it's just a law, what me to think to you. It might convict you for five minutes, and then you'll go and have a nice meal and forget it. <laughs> but when the presence of God is in your life, you won't go away and forget it. You want God to do something with you. Amen. I'm going to finish there. Look, if, if uh, maybe, maybe you know, if, if there's somebody you need to talk to, if there's if there's somebody you need to communicate with, if, just just do it. Just do it. Don't, don't let pride stop you. Don't let anything get in your way. Don't let any stumbling block. Jesus said to Peter, "You're a stumbling block. Don't be a stumbling block." Go to somebody and talk to them and, 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 and get sorted. Amen. God bless you. Amen.